How's it going, Longhorn Nation? Welcome to Texas Talk, your one-stop shop for everything involving Texas Longhorns football. I'm your host, Ryan McLoon, and I am going solo tonight. I'm recording on Tuesday, November 15th, and today we are going to be talking about the Longhorns' incredibly disappointing loss at home to TCU, and we're also going to preview the Kansas game. Before we get into it, though, be sure to subscribe and leave us a rating wherever you're listening. Also, tell your friends and family about us. After that, make sure to check out our website, texas-talk.com. On the website, you'll be able to find the Longhorns' updated roster, depth chart, 2023 recruits and targets, any trending news, plus our analysis on the team. So be sure to check that out. With all of that said, I'm going to try to keep this one tight, so let's get right into it. Uh, week 11 notes. A couple things here. We'll start with the offense. DJ Campbell replaces Cole Hudson for a little bit. I think Cole Hudson actually went out for an injury, but um, we've seen Campbell kind of go into that right guard spot a few times in the past couple of weeks. Um, he's never really stuck there. Cole Hudson has always come back in, but um, we have seen Campbell kind of sneak in there at times. Um, I think there was definitely a drop-off in play, which is kind of surprising to me. DJ Campbell being that five-star um, top 20 player in the 2022 recruiting class, while Cole Hudson was a little bit more of a project, um, or so we thought. He was still a four-star recruit, but a little bit uh, lower down on the totem pole in the recruiting rankings. But Cole Hudson is and I've said this before but he is really really good at moving his feet and he's one of the best pullers on Texas um as a true freshman so in that way he's really special um Sarkeesian loves using that trap play action pass um where the guard pulls to the other side of the line and um kind of stands up the edge rusher we saw it a lot in the Alabama game against Will Anderson and Dallas uh in Dallas Turner, but um, Campbell didn't really execute that the same way. Um, it didn't look good. Uh, Ewers was under pressure almost immediately, whereas uh, Hudson gets there in a flash, um, stands him up, and does really well there. There's definitely things that Cole Hudson needs to improve on um, throughout his game, and I do think right now he might be um, the worst offensive lineman Texas has. But as a true freshman starting um, and already having what is um, a pretty special trait, I think that's huge for Cole Hudson and this Texas offense um, as a whole. Um, all right, let's 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 keep going down these notes. First and goal, um, it's 17-3, to TCU leads. Jordan Whittington runs a quick slant but doesn't get his head around fast enough, and Ewers hits him right in the shoulder pad. Um, Whittington has to get his head around on that quick slant. Um, you know, it's a one step and throw it throw for yours. Um, it was an RPO play. Yours obviously pulled it, had Whittington open if he was looking and it would have been a touchdown. Obviously that doesn't happen. Um, Texas doesn't end up scoring on that drive at all. So it was a tough play. Uh, Whittington's got to be better there. I know um, on the outside, a lot of people on Twitter were saying that Whittington needs to be getting the ball more. And though I agree with that, um, 
this is a play where Whittington just isn't perfect. Um, so I feel like Texas fans like to, and this is every fan base, not just Texas fans, but they like to just point out what is going wrong and not really looking into the process of why things are happening the way they are. And Whittington not getting the ball very often, maybe this is one of the reasons is he makes kind of plays like this and not to really dig Whittington too much because he's an insanely great player and this offense is definitely going to miss him next year. Um, moving on here. So um, let's talk about this other Ewers throw. He chooses to throw to Jatavion Sanders, double covered. It's fourth and goal on the 10-yard line. Instead of checking it down to Bijan here, um, I think this says a lot about Quinn Ewers' decision-making and maybe even Sark's play-calling a little bit. But um, if you're Ewers, I think you just have to check it down to Bijan. And although Bijan's on like the five, uh, four or five-yard line, or I'm sorry, five or six-yard line there, I think you got to just give it to Bijan. He has plenty of space in front of him. Obviously, the defense is going to cave on him, but I think you got to give it to Bijan and let him make a play. He is by far Texas's best player. So if you're Quinn, you just got to check that down. You can't try to fit it into Jatavian Sanders, who's double or triple covered in the end zone. And although I get it, um, if you're Quinn, you need to get in the end zone. And um, if you check it down there, it looks terrible if Bijan doesn't make a play. But that's kind of playing the results um, either way. So I don't hate the decision, but I just think maybe you just give it to your best player in Bijan and let him make a play. A couple plays before that, though, Quinn misses Bijan on a wide open wheel route. And that play design is for that wheel route. Um, Obviously, Quinn sprints out right. Um, Jatavion Sanders is down um, on like a little little uh, mesh play. And then Bijan runs the wheel route. The defender falls, and Bijan is wide open. Um, Quinn decides to throw it to Sanders. I don't know. He, he must not have just not seen Bijan. I don't know. Bijan was wide open, though, and like I said, that looked like it was a play that was meant for Bijan. So that was a big miss by Quinn. Obviously, it cost Texas seven points there. Um, and then another note on this offense here. Um, the play call on fourth and 17, very late in the game. I think there was about four minutes left. It was right before the scoop and score, actually. Um, fourth and 17. I saw a lot of Texas fans just complaining about this play call as well, which it's impossible to complain about this play call because there is no call for a fourth and 17 play. That's that just does not exist. Um, you can write on paper all the kind of plays you want, um, but they don't really mean much because this Texas offensive line isn't great. So with the amount of time Quinn actually had in the pocket, um, and how far away it was from the first down. You can't really get too crazy with um, elongated mesh plays um, deep down the field. You just you don't have time to run those. And those mesh plays, you can't even really run effectively unless you're practicing them um, constantly. Otherwise, 
The receivers won't be on the right yard line, um, most likely, and then it's kind of a waste of a play if they're not close enough and tight enough while crossing each other. The defenders are not even going to have to move, um, and the pick play just won't work. So I don't think that was, I don't think that's really the answer. And you really could drop a million other plays, and I don't really think that would be the answer. But Sark did do a great job at getting a good matchup. Um, Jatavian Sanders was playing um, the X on the, or yes, the X on the, the right side of the field. Um, and he was going up against five foot eight cornerback uh, Travius Hodges Tomlinson. So you get your big bodied tight end in Jatavian Sanders, who has skill sets at wide receiver as well, um, up against a five foot eight cornerback. I really like those odds on a kind of jump up and get a play. And these fourth and long plays and third and long plays have so much more to do with your players than it does the actual plays. Um, and if you want any proof of that, just go and look at the Buffalo Bills versus Minnesota Vikings on Sunday afternoon because Kirk Cousins just threw it up to Justin Jefferson. And Justin Jefferson made maybe one of the best catches I've ever seen. Um, that's exactly what what you do in those situations. Obviously, the Justin Jefferson catches don't always happen, but you give one of your best players or your best playmaker a chance to make a play. And that's kind of what we talked about again with that Bijan, um, kind of dumping it down to him. But I really don't hate that play, and I love that Sark got Jatavion Sanders one-on-one with a undersized cornerback there. So those are really my big offensive um, notes there. In more of a broad view, I see a lot of people um, kind of ripping on Sark for leaving Quinn Ewers in the game um, and not bringing in Hudson Card. But to me, I think that's necessary. Um, Hudson Card, maybe he does win us the game, maybe he doesn't, but Quinn Ewers is the guy, and he's going to be the guy um, next year as well. So you have to kind of ride with him. Um, and he wasn't making awful decisions either. Obviously, he had some misses with the Bijan play, um, along with a couple other scattered throughout the day. But overall, I mean, Ewers' biggest problem is his footwork. And this isn't just me talking. Um, Joel Klatt has said the same thing. Um, the quarterback school on Twitter and on YouTube has said the same thing. Um, Trent Dilfer on the Ryan Rosillo podcast just this week, um, said the same thing. Quinn Ewers' footwork is a huge problem, and it has been since the start. Trent Dilfer actually uh, worked with him at the Elite 11 camps, and um, he said the same thing. You know, Quinn is one of the most gifted throwers of the football that he's ever seen, um, which is very high praise, obviously, from a from an NFL quarterback. But he just doesn't have the footwork down, which ultimately just kind of gives you no consistency as an accurate passer. So that's something that um, Quinn is going to have to work on this offseason, which I actually feel pretty good about because Steve Sarkeesian is one of the best quarterback coaches in the country, um, maybe in football in general. But I feel good about giving Sark 
in Quinn something to work on all offseason long to try to fix and then implement in 2023. And now if Quinn looks just as bad or shaky in week three of 2023 season, then I will start to worry. And um, then it might be time to bring in a Hudson Card if he's still there, or even Arch Manning, um, if, you know, Sark thinks that he's ready to go. But for right now, I think Quinn is just way too talented. And um, with footwork being his biggest problem and really decision-making not really being that much of a problem, I think you just have to ride with Quinn because he's not going to get better footwork and he's not going to learn from sitting on the bench. So maybe Texas does win the game against TCU if Hudson Card is in. Maybe he does. But ultimately, I think it's better for Texas for Quinn to become an elite level player. Um, you know, the goal is national championships. The goal, the goal isn't winning, um, you know, week 10 against TCU. So I think, I think I'm okay with leaving Quinn Ewers in. Like I said, I think he needs to work on some stuff, but overall I feel good about it. Um, a couple other things, Bijan last week, and he does this a little bit. Um, he is moving laterally so much um, at the line of scrimmage instead of just kind of tucking his head down and going forward. Um, obviously, it's worked for Bijan so far, so I'm not giving him too much flack for that. But against TCU, there was a couple times where he kind of bounced and, um, you know, there was a hole open if he would just be a little bit more patient. And I know that's hard to do because our offensive line is by far our biggest problem on offense. Um, you can talk about Quinn Ewers' footwork and all that, but the offensive line not getting a consistent push in the run game is really, really um, restricting Sarkeesian's offense. Sarkeesian can't get the run going. TCU absolutely just dominated um, this Texas offensive line. Um, their linebackers were fast, they were decisive, and they were getting at, to the line of scrimmage and tackling Bijan there immediately so I think this offensive line needs to do a little bit of a better job but I think Bijan I I would just love to see him just kind of put his head down and just run straight um I think Roshan might have had one of the best runs of the game and that's exactly what he did it was a gap scheme um so there wasn't much thinking going on it was kind of hit the hole and go but Roshan did it and he did it well um so I would just like to see a little bit more of that from Bijan overall though um, you know, it's worked out for him, so I'm not going to hold him, hold him too much, but Xavier Worthy, another one, um, not stacking defensive backs in deep passes. And then when he finally does, Quinn Ewers misses him deep, but, um, there was one on the sideline. You might've saw the highlight or low light is probably a better way of putting it of Worthy, just kind of not fighting back to the football. Um, it was tough to see. You want to see him do it. I have a theory that it might just be him being such a small guy at 180 pounds. Um, but that remains to be seen. So, uh, let's talk about this defense a little bit. Um, but we will get into the defense after this quick break. All right, Longhorn Nation. Let's talk about this Texas defense against TCU couple game notes here. 
Terrence Brooks uh, gets the start with Deshaun Jameson out for the game. Um, Brooks played well. He had a couple really nice tackles. Um, and besides that, we really didn't hear from him the rest of the day. Um, he and Anthony Cook had a little mis- miscommunication on quarters coverage um, towards the end of the game on that Quinton Johnston touchdown. I think that was more on Anthony Cook, though, to be honest with you. So, but you know, we're not in the we're not in the room, so we don't know exactly what their responsibilities were. I would think Cook takes the guy going deep while Terrence Brooks takes the guy um, running the out route. But who knows? I could be wrong, but I, I'm thinking that's more of an Anthony Cook problem than a Terrence Brooks problem. But even besides that one lapse, um, I think he had an outstanding game, and that really makes me feel good about next year. Um, hopefully, Jade Barron stays. And hopefully, and I'm almost sure Ryan Watts will stay. Um, Deshaun Jameson is obviously out, but Terrence Brooks, Jalen Gilbo, Jade Barron, and Ryan Watts, that's a really dang good uh, cornerback group for coming into next year. So really encouraging there. Um, also, game notes, just generally, the edge rushers played incredibly well. Um, Baron Sorrell was all over the place, man. It was awesome to see. Um, we were talking about all season long how these edge rushers just need to finish and um you know make a play get a sack obviously the interior of the defensive line they push the pocket a lot um all season long but the edge rushers after the quarterback was kind of flushed out the edge rushers just were not finishing the plays and they were not getting sacks so awesome to be awesome to see baron sorrell get a little uh you know, breakout game there. Another play. This is coming from the other touchdown. Diamante Tucker Dorsey transfer from James Madison, uh, linebacker. He was caught following the trap puller inside, um, instead of the ball carrier. Keandre Miller obviously bounces that trap play out and runs it 79 yards for a touchdown. Um, that is almost entirely on Diamante Tucker Dorsey. You can't follow that trap uh, pulling guard. You gotta watch the ball carrier and you gotta be gap disciplined. So tough on him. He's had a pretty good season other than that, but I just wanted to kind of point that out because those are the only two touchdowns given up. So I think it's important to kind of know why those touchdowns happened. And an otherwise amazing night from this defense. Um, elite night from this defense on that play. Also, I just want to mention Jaron Thompson um, takes a bad angle to the ball carrier too. So it's a little bit on him, but DDT can um, DTD cannot let that happen. Um, overall, like I said, though, amazing night by this defense. And it's really great that I can only, you know, point out two huge plays Um for the entire game. So especially against a team like TCU with Sonny Dykes, Quinton Johnston, obviously, who was hobbled for sure. Um, but still, Sonny Dykes, Max Duggan, who is a veteran um, college quarterback. Awesome to see this Texas defense kind of look absolutely elite. Um, overall notes, this is mostly on special teams here. 
Um, special teams team was just inches away from a few blocked punts. Um, you know, I understand the aggressiveness too. Um, obviously, two flags were thrown during them, but with how bad the offense had looked that night, the special teams getting a block kick actually could have won Texas the game. Um, now that's kind of rewriting history a little bit, but overall, I think you needed to be that aggressive um, because the offense just wasn't doing anything else. Um, also, awesome blocked kick um, for a field goal in the first quarter uh, by Texas. So this special teams unit is just playing amazing right now. So shout out to them. This special teams team and this defense really kept Texas in the thick of this game, even though this offense was just pretty abysmal for uh, most of the game. So that's kind of the breakdown on the TCU game. Um, like I said, I kind of want to keep that short. Um, after this quick break, we're going to get into the Kansas game. All right, Longhorn Nation, let's talk about this Kansas game coming up. Um, it's in Lawrence, Kansas. This Kansas defense has looked rough uh, at times. They had a bad stretch against Oklahoma and Baylor. Then they kind of got right against Oklahoma State um, two weeks ago. Obviously, that was Oklahoma State's backup quarterback, though, so I'm not sure how much I'm buying into that. Then last week, they looked rough again against Texas Tech. Um, this Texas offense needs to take advantage of this pretty bad Kansas defense here. Um, in the beginning of the year, Kansas's defense was playing really well. Um, I'm not too sure on if they're dealing with any injuries or anything, but overall, Texas needs to take advantage of this Kansas defense now. Um, this is a perfect get-right game for Quinn, Bijan, X, Jatavion Sanders, obviously this offensive line too. Um, so, pretty simple there. Um, I think Texas needs to score at least 42. I don't like really putting a number on it, I should say, because if the tech, if the offense looks good and they're moving the ball well, um, you know, crazy stuff happens. But I think over 40 is a pretty safe number to say if you're just kind of box score scouting there. Um, now, Kansas' offense, on the other hand, has been still really good, even without Jalen Daniels. Um, best player... Now that Jalen Daniels is hurt, is uh, Devin Neal, their running back. He has been really, really good. Um, Texas defense, though, obviously their best, their the best thing about them is stopping the run and those thousand pounds of beef with Mora Ojimo, Keandre Coburn, Devondre Sweat. Those are some big boys. So Texas defense is going to be up against it again against this Kansas offense. Jason Bean being their quarterback with Jalen Daniels being out has played pretty well, actually. Um, you know, hasn't been spectacular and definitely hasn't been as good as Jalen Daniels, but he's been serviceable. Um, he's made some good plays. Obviously, that TCU game, he came in and he kind of lit it up a little bit. Um, he hasn't played that well since then, um, but he hasn't been, you know, really terrible either, so... Overall, Texas needs to win this Kansas game. Um, now, they still have a little bit of hope for the Big 12 championship. Uh, they need Kansas State to lose, and then they need to win out 
could happen. Um, I mean, looking at Kansas State's schedule here, this is bad radio. Looking at Kansas State's schedule here, they got West Virginia and then uh, Kansas at home. So they're at West Virginia, and then they have Kansas at home. I don't feel too great about that. Kansas State is going to be favored in both of those games. Um, at West Virginia might actually be um, the best uh, way for Kansas State to lose because West Virginia is a little bit of a wild card. We've seen all year they beat Baylor, and then they get absolutely throttled by Iowa State. So we need this Kansas State team to lose, but even if they don't, even if Texas ends the season with four losses, um, that's not a terrible year. It's not what we wanted, in, especially after that Alabama game. We thought Texas's ceiling was so much higher than that, but the season just didn't shake out that way. Um, Ewers just wasn't consistent enough. Um, then, you know, he showed his elite s- skill set against Alabama in that first quarter, but he hasn't been consistent, and he hasn't really shown that since then. So, I mean, I just think you go out, win both of those games, and, um, you know, retain this recruiting class, this 2023 recruiting class, which probably going to end up in the top five, and it could peak at number one, um, depending on how things shake out with JVN Taviano, Anthony Hill, um, DJ Hicks is a little bit more of a long shot, but you get those guys, and you're looking at the number one class. So, Texas needs to end the year strong, even if it really doesn't mean much in terms of Big 12 championship or uh, obviously at this point college football playoffs. But you still want a good bowl. You don't want to be in some embarrassing bowl that you've never heard of. Um, You know, you want to be playing a pretty good team and you kind of want to stack up your young talent against their young talent. And, um, I think Texas has a lot of really good young talent. I think their biggest loss um, is going to be that defensive line that I just mentioned with Mora Ojimo, um, Kendrick Coburn, and Tavandre Sweat. That is a lot of experience on the defensive line that you have to um, account for. Obviously, Byron Murphy, Vernon Broughton, and even Alfred Collins um, are going to be still with Texas most likely, but it's not really the same. Um, is having all six of those guys, obviously. So there's going to need to be another rotation going. But <clears throat> bringing it back to the Kansas game, this Texas defense is going to have to step up here. Um, in the beginning of the season, or before the season started, my prediction was 55-17 Kansas. Um, and Michael, who obviously isn't here, um, his prediction was 51-17 uh, Texas. Um, so obviously we both didn't think very highly of Kansas here. Um, we thought Texas was kind of going to boat race them. I don't think that's the case anymore. Um, I think Texas could, and they probably should if they, you know, live up to their talent in, um, you know, but that's just not the case. That's not how football works. Um, I still think Texas does win. I think I just don't think this Kansas's defense is very good. Um, Quinn should be able to figure it out. I also didn't think that TCU defense was very good, and they showed up. And um, 
you know, they impressed me a lot. And they it showed a lot about TCU. Um, I think they do kind of deserve to be in that New Year's Six Bowl range, maybe even the college football playoff. If they win out, obviously they'll make it. So I'm going to change my prediction on the fly here. Um, I talked about that 42 number. I'm going to stick with it. I think Texas scores 42. I'm going to give Kansas uh, 34. Kind of a weird number. I think a couple field goals, maybe a missed extra point. Um, it's college football, so college kickers. Um, I think it's going to be pretty close game. Um, I'm not doubting Kansas like I did um, before the season. I think they're really well coached. I think I talk about this every week, but Lance Leipold needs to get a head coaching job somewhere else. One, to get him out of the Big 12, but more importantly, two, I want to see him succeed. Um, and college football is better when big programs like Nebraska, um, Auburn, that's really it with uh, with coaching vacancies right now. But when big programs have good head coaches, that's when college football is amazing because that leaves a lot of parity and um, obviously kind of takes away recruiting from, um, you know, the Ohio State's coming in and, and taking all the state's good players in Georgia and Alabama. So the more good good college coaches in big programs, the better it is for college football. It kind of leaves a little bit more parity. So I think that'll do it. Um, I don't want to ramble too much. Like I said, I wanted to keep it tight here. So that will do it for this week. Um, if you enjoyed the podcast, learn something, or just want to support us here at Texas Talk, please rate five stars wherever you're listening. But more importantly, uh, and I said at the top here too, but tell your friends and family about us. It's the best way to keep us growing. So uh, we really appreciate that. Um, I will be back on Friday for my Big Bets podcast. We had a rough week last week. Obviously, Texas loses to uh, TCU, but I also went uh, one in four um, in my bets. So really rough week. We're still 55% on the season, so it's not completely detrimental, but never good. So with that, thank you all for listening. And as always, hook them.